0: Jesus, we do thank you so much for your word, God, and we look forward to hear from you as we study God, the Bible. Thank you for this morning and just even it's been such a precious time of worship, God, just being in your presence and now... Lord, we want to hear your voice. So I pray, God, as we get into your word, that you anoint this time with your Holy Spirit, God. That your Spirit would move upon us and drive us even more to be on fire for you. Stir us up. Put, put fire in our hearts to know you in a deeper way and to live for you, God. Not ourselves anymore, God, but for you. So anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me begin here by asking you a question. Do you like chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, I I think, no, what's wrong with you? I mean, uh, no, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I know you do. Now, did you know that George Washington never tasted a chocolate chip cookie? Or even Abraham Lincoln had never tasted a chocolate chip cookie. Isn't that sad? They, they missed out there. Well, that's because the story goes back to the 1930s when Ruth Wakefield, who ran the famous Toll House Inn, it was this restaurant, and they, they, she was known for her desserts and goodies, right? Well, she was preparing some desserts for her guests. She was mixing a batch of what they call back then chocolate butter drop do cookies it was a popular item on the menu but as she's beginning to to mix this before she baked these cookies she realized she had ran out of baker's chocolate and that was one of the main ingredients in these chocolate cookies and it's like oh no what's going to happen this is a trial this is trouble Oh, no, there's been a mistake made. There's no baker's chocolate. What, 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 is, what is she going to do? She's in trouble here. People in the restaurant are waiting for these cookies. Well, instead, she, she decided, well, you know what? I'm going to use these chopped up semi-sweet chocolates that she was recently, it was given to her by uh, a, a guy named of Andrew Nestle. Yes, Nestle's chocolate. And so she put that in there and she mixed it in. Now, her thought was that during the baking process, when it's in the oven, the chocolate would just all melt and and she could substitute it for that baker's chocolate. But to her surprise, when she pulled the pan of cookies out of the oven, these cookies were dotted with gooey chocolate chips. And that's how it all started in, in the 1930s. I like that story. That's what we enjoy today. That now it's famous, right? It's it, it said that it's one of the most favorite cookies of all time here, the chocolate chip cookie. And I like that because what seemed to start out as a trial, trouble, or maybe even a mistake turned out to be a blessing. And we're blessed today with chocolate chip cookies, by the way, coming next month, March 5th through the 11th, is Chocolate Chip Cookie Week. I didn't know that. I just read that. I thought, whoa, that's awesome. So, hey, make your chocolate chip cookies and bring them to me. No, just joking. Well, as we continue here in our study in the book of First Peter, we, we find that trials and troubles, that as they come into our lives, it, it really is a blessing. It's not God making a mistake. It's not, oh, no, what are we going to do? Peter here is trying to give us a different perspective on suffering and trials that come into our life. So I've titled our message this morning, Finding God in Fiery Trials. That's really what it is. That's the blessing, that we find God in fiery trials. Now we're going to be studying 1 Peter Chapter 4 from verse 12 through 19. We're going to finish this chapter. And there's four points here we're going to see. Number one is don't be surprised. Then don't lose the joy. Don't suffer for wrong. And lastly, don't forget to trust God. So that's our four points we're going to see. Let's begin with number one now. Number one, don't be so surprised. Don't be so surprised. Look at verse 12 for this section. Verse 12. It reads here, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We'll stop there. Now, Peter begins to address his readers here. And I love how he starts here in verse 12. He says this one word, Beloved. Beloved. Now, we come across that word before in this book. And if if you remember, it means loved by God. And I think this is great, that as he's going into what he's going to talk about here in this section, he's saying, hey, you guys, you're loved by God. You're beloved by God. You're the beloved ones. Because when we get into trials, sometimes we could think, well, God, do you really love me still? It's really this... Thing that's happening i i i'm not sure so he starts with this to 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 take away all doubt and says look your love your love by god he's saying look the suffering and the trials you know it doesn't mean that god doesn't love you anymore he's saying no matter what happens you know what you are still his what beloved and understand that today. If, if there's one word today that, that you can take home, hear God telling you, beloved, you're my beloved. So he goes on here in verse 12 and he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. And this is where I get my title, right? Finding God in fiery trials. So here is Peter saying, don't be surprised. Don't be so shocked. That you're going through this trial. Don't be surprised like, whoa, what's going on? Because you're going through this fiery trial. And that really talks about extreme troubles, right? Going through the fire, so to speak. Hard times, painful times, times of suffering. And in particular here, these guys are going through persecution. And so their whole life is being upended, yeah? Upside down. Losing homes, jobs, society is looking down upon them. You got to understand, remember when when Peter wrote this epistle, it it is 64 AD. And on July nineteenth, 64 AD, Nero, Caesar Nero, set Rome on fire, burned down Rome. He had his soldiers go out. Now, he wanted to make a whole new Rome. He didn't like the old one. And most of the buildings were made out of wood. I, You could picture like apartments made out of wood. People lost everything. Everything was burned down. Well, they didn't like this. They, they, you know, everyone knew it was Nero. But Nero tried to divert all the blame and animosity toward the Christians. And it worked. And he, remember the stories I would tell you, he would take a Christian, Christians and, 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 Uh, dip them in tar and put them up, uh, tie them up on a pole and light them like torches in his garden. I mean, this is how bad it was, the whole Colosseum thing and bringing them to the lions to be eaten and all of that. That's what was going on. And so society already wasn't happy with the Christians, but now even more, there's more animosity. There's more persecution going on. And so here's Peter saying, hey, don't be surprised about this. Don't be surprised that this is going on. He's saying, look, uh, animosity, persecution, you know, it's what every believer goes through. It's every person who believes in Jesus, they're going to go through persecution. Why is that? Because Jesus was persecuted. Remember, Jesus said, he said, if if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you, John 11. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. And we all know Second Timothy 3.12, I say this a lot. All who desire to live, uh, uh, to live godly, a godly life will suffer persecution. We'll be persecuted just because we want to live for God. So here's Peter. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials. You know what? This is normal. Suffering is part of the Christian life. So here's Peter. Don't be so surprised. He's saying, expect the suffering. Don't be so surprised. Expect the suffering. Now, I was thinking about how the fiery trials, I look at it really coming from three main areas. Well, I would say generally three areas. Number one, we'll get trials and persecution from the world. We're going to suffer from things that the world does. Why is that? Well, because we hold different values now in Christ than what the world holds. We we have different beliefs. We believe Jesus is the only, the way the truth and the life. Oh no, there's all kinds of religions that will bring you to God. No, it's just Jesus. Well, what's wrong with you? Right? There's there's this general thinking so the world is going to come back at us. They don't like that well, we we like the Bible. We go to church and study the Bible. What The Bible is this old ancient book. You guys are crazy. There's new philosophies out there. They don't like that we hold to the morals in this book of what God has, say, designed marriage, right? Genesis with a man and a woman. They don't like that. And so society is going to come against us. They don't like that we even take a stand and don't what? It's the word tolerate, yeah? Which to me is crazy because they're saying, well, you guys don't tolerate. Well, well you guys don't tolerate me, <laughs> right? So the world will come, per, well, from the world will come persecution and we will suffer at the hands of the world. And another area we suffer is the sins of others. Think about that, right? The choices and actions of someone else can affect you. We live in what? A fallen world, meaning we live in a world where people sin, where people make bad choices, where people are in bondage to their flesh, the sinful flesh, and what they do can affect our lives too. So we can suffer with that. I mean, we pray for our family members. We pray for our co-workers. We pray for our classmates. We pray that they're saved, but sometimes what they do affects our life and then we suffer, right? I remember when we lived in Paia, the, the house, um, not across, but right next to, uh, someone bought that house. And I remember the husband got into drugs and addiction. And you can see the pain that the f- two kids and the wife was going through because of his choices there. So we see that. It, it's it's going to happen because we live in a fallen world. And let me give you one more, one more place that we get suffering persecution. And of course, it's the enemy of our souls, Satan. He's after us. He doesn't like that we have defected from him and his ways and gone to Jesus Christ. He doesn't like that we have now the Holy Spirit in us. We have new life and we know the truth and we want to reach people before Jesus Christ. So he's after us. He's... He's trying to get at us. You know, I was reading that one commentator, I like this, he said that that um, Satan does not waste his ammunition basically on just the casual Christian. No, his big guns are aimed at those who are committed to storm the gates of Hades. That's how this commentator put it. They go, wow, I love that. You know? But think about that, right? I mean, if us that are very committed and we want to surrender our lives to God and we make commitments to study the word, to pray, to be with God, to be with God's people, to bring the gospel out to, to this world, you know what? The enemy's going to target us, you and I. And so we're going to be persecuted. We're, we're going to go through suffering that he's going to bring upon us to try and stop us from doing what God wants us to do. So Peter's like, hey, don't be surprised. Expect the suffering. It's going to happen. But you know what? Jesus is greater, isn't he? Right? I, I always hold on to what he said. He said, in the world, you're going to have what? Tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. So don't be so surprised. Expect the suffering. Now he goes on here in verse 12. He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Let's let's look at that for a moment. Notice that this trial, the suffering, it comes upon you and Peter's saying to test you. What is he talking about? Well, the fiery trial is, is, is a way really that proves your faith. That's what it, he's saying. That when suffering does come, whether it's from the world or other people's choices or Satan himself, the demon, all that, it, 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 it comes upon you. Uh, it, it's what we all go through. But you know what? When it does come, it really proves your faith. That's what he's saying. It proves that it's real. It proves that it's genuine. I mean, remember when um, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower right the seeds that fell on a different ground and and the last one was a good ground and there was fruit a hundredfold well um, there was that one ground the rocky ground right the stony ground and the seed fell on that ground and right away it sprouted up it looked like oh yeah it's doing great right but then the sun came out scorched it, and it died and later when Jesus explained that, the, the whole parable to, to the disciples, that section about the stony ground, when it shot up, it, it, he was talking about there wasn't root in there. And they shot up for joy, like, yeah, Jesus and all that. But then he said, when what? Tribulation, trouble or trials come, and, or persecution comes, then they fall away. So you see, the suffering will come and actually prove in that, you know what? We are real. We're genuine. It's, we're showing that. No, we're still here with God. We're still clinging on. We're not going to let this trial pull us away from God at all. And so on the other side is phony Christians, they don't last through the times of suffering. They're like, well, I don't, I don't need this. I'm out of here. So don't be surprised, for it proves your faith is real. Don't be surprised of the fiery trials, for it proves your faith is real. Uh, years ago, during the, the time of the Soviet Union, when, when they were still in, in power there over in Russia, an American pastor uh, made a comment to a Russian pastor that was visiting, and he was talking to him, and he said this. He said, it must be hard to pastor a church in russia you know what the russian pastor's answer was no not at all no on on the contrary i think it's harder in america see in russia he said we know who the true christians are we understand that right that's the truth the persecuted church becomes a pure church because the false christians they're not going to stay they're going to run So Peter is like, don't be surprised now. Yeah, the end of verse 12, don't be surprised something strange were happening to you. Don't be so surprised. I mean, expect it. This is what it's about. It proves your faith. And he's saying, so don't think it's strange. The word is like foreign, right? Like this is not normal. Don't get confused by that. Like, wait, wait, what, what? Why am I suffering? That's what he's saying. And what do we think? I mean, many times, naturally, when suffering comes or something doesn't happen the way we think or some bad things happen in our life, what do we think? We go, well, God, I, I've been reading the Bible. I've been praying. I mean, I've been going to church. I've been making extra effort to go Wednesday night and, and, and now my car won't start. You know, what's going on here, right? Right oh, now I get this big bill, or I lost my job, or, or now this happens, right? In our mind, we, we're we kind of messed up, really. So Peter's trying to fix that in our mind to redefine what it means when we go through suffering. I think, I, I think most of us think that, well, I've done A, so the re- result should be B. But then when C comes, we're like, what does it mean d then does it mean that god you don't love me that's why peter said beloved does it mean god that you're punishing me wait there's no condemnation in christ right we're not judged we're under christ's blood now so we get these thoughts in our mind don't we peter's saying don't be so surprised for god is not against you here it's not that he doesn't love you. It's not that he's judging you and punishing you and, and all mad at you. No, not at all. But, but we struggle with this, don't we? It's, it's natural. Uh, uh, years ago, a Barna research came out uh, in this survey, and they asked like if, uh, this question, if there was one question you could ask God, what would you ask? And overwhelmingly, everyone said, we would ask God this. Why would you allow so much evil, suffering, and pain on earth? And isn't that our first thought? We think, God, why? What, what's going on? I mean, I think behind that is, I haven't done bad things. I'm not a bad person. I know I'm not perfect. I, I understand if the bad people, right? The criminals and, and, and those bad people in our life, if they get it. But a good person? quote-unquote, why is this happening to me? And so we get that bachi kind of mentality, right? We, we, we get that thought. But we need to change how we've been conditioned now. How we got to, like, re- rethink how God works, yeah? We, we have to, our brain's been tweaked, I should say. <laughs> we need to get it right. So here's Peter. Don't be so surprised, you guys. Expect it. Accept it. Look at it as a test. Your faith is going to be proved. No, let this debilitate debilitate you, but let it liberate you from false thinking. That's what we got to do. Also, J. Oswald Sanders said this, every adverse experience when rightly received can carry its quota of good. And I want to put that up front because we're going to unfold that thought uh, as Peter goes on. But, but every adverse experience, when you can accept it, expect it, receive it, see it in a special way, you know, there's a quota of good in there. We can be finding God in fiery trials. Let's go on. Number 2. Don't don't lose the joy. Our first point was don't be so surprised, but secondly, don't lose the joy. We're going to cover verse 13 and 14 here. Take a look at these verses. It says, "But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. All right, here's Peter saying, look, don't be so surprised, but you know what? Rejoice. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials, trials, but you know what? Don't fear it. Don't be going, oh, confused, but rejoice. That's the attitude to hold to. Uh, Jesus even said, if you're persecuted in Matthew uh, 5, 12, he said, be glad. Rejoice and be glad. But, but how? What, what, what? That's hard. I mean, that's hard for me. <laughs> like, okay, I, you know, I'll force my smile, oh, you know, kind of thing. No. What is he talking about? Well, take a look at verse th- 13. There's three things he's going to bring up. Understand this, first of all, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. In other words, you're sharing in the suffering that Christ went through. Now, we're not talking about the atonement for our sins. We, we cannot atone for our own sins, and we are not helping the world atone for our own sins. Christ did that alone. But what he, he's talking about is how Christ suffered for the good that he did. He didn't do any wrong. He didn't do any bad. But he still suffered and went through that because... The world didn't like that. And as I talked about, the world doesn't like a lot of stuff that we do. Same as Satan, right? So as Christ suffered, so we suffer. And we actually, in that suffering, partner with Jesus in that same kind of suffering that we're receiving, treating, uh, treated, being treated bad for doing good. You know, in one sense we could say, the enemy or the world can't get to Jesus, so they get to us. So in a way, it's an honor, like the, the uh, apostle said, we count it worthy that we suffered for your name. And we've talked a lot about this in the past week, so you can go back and listen to those messages if you missed that. But, but, but Peter's bringing that in again, first of all. Look, we share, we have that honor to share in Christ's suffering. Secondly, he goes on in verse 13, he says that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, when Peter writes here, rejoice and be glad, it, it, it's, it's like he's, he's saying, you're going to really be happy. You're going to be really be joyful. You're going really, to really rejoice. I mean, we rejoice because we're suffering for Christ, but guess what? You're going to be really, really rejoicing like another level when what? When his glory is revealed. What's that talking about? That's talking about when we see Jesus. When we get to heaven. When we see him face to face. When Jesus returns. It's, it's that whole idea of coming face to face with Jesus. And you know what that means for us with suffering? It means that we made it through. It means that mission was accomplished. It means that all that we suffered through in persecution, you know what? We Believe the truth about Jesus. And here we are with him. That's that idea. And so we're going to be even more joyful. That Yeah, we made it. Yeah. Thank you, God. You helped me overcome. I think about the letters to the churches in uh, Revelation 2 and 3. You can go back and read them. And I was just going through each letter in the churches. And how many times Jesus says, he who overcomes. He who overcomes. And toward the last letters, it's about he who overcomes. Jesus said, you will sit with me, reigning and ruling. And so we're going to be even more rejoicing, more happy as we look toward the future. And we talked about that last time. And then verse 14 to 13, Peter says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You And I love this part. So if we're insulted, what? For the name of Christ. Because we believe and we hang on to the name of Christ. When we talk about the name of Christ, it's about Jesus. That's what we're talking about. If you're insulted, if you're put down because you believe in Christ, he's saying you're blessed. You know why? Because God is right there with you. That's what he's saying. Look at the term he uses. He says here in verse 14, Because the Spirit of glory and of God... You know what that's an Old Testament thought of the Shekinah glory of when the 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 presence of God right in the wilderness with Israel how uh, there was a cloud by day a fire by night where it re- was with Israel protecting them throughout this whole journey in the wilderness providing for them being with them this whole way That's The Spirit of God. It's God's presence that's resting on you. In other words, so God's presence is on you even more than ever during the time of persecution. And it means with that strong presence resting on us, we have this already, this safe place, this secure place, a place where we can rest because God's presence is upon us, is in us. Listen to what MacArthur said. He put it this way. The blessing is not subjective happiness. It is an objective presence. I don't know if you understand that. The blessing is not subjective. In other words, we don't find joy because of, of the situation. But we find joy in the objective presence, what's outside of the situation, and that is God in us, the presence of God upon us. And that's why we can rejoice even going through the hardest times. Do you understand that? This, I love this, what Peter is saying. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It's the presence of God inside you, upon you, that helps you get through these times. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, there's, there's emotional distress. Yeah, we, we can feel smashed, and we, we can start to feel emotional and insecure. We can, it's not fun to go through these things, but we find God. In the middle of it. And we find our safe place in Him. We find our peace in Him. We find that rest and like, Oh Lord, You're my refuge. Yeah, You're my strength. So here's Peter. Don't lose the joy. Don't lose that joy of honoring Jesus. That, that you have the honor to suffer in the same way He did. That you're taking those hits for Jesus. Don't lose the joy and find the presence of God right there with you. There was an ad placed in the Lost and Found, and uh, uh, it, the, the, the title of this uh, Lost and Found ad in the paper said, Lost Dog. And then underneath it said, Brown fur, some missing due to mange, blind in one eye, deaf, Lame leg due to recent traffic accident. Slightly arthritic. Goes by the name of Lucky. It seems so contradictory, doesn't it? But sometimes we say the same thing, right? We go through some uh, trial or suffering. We go, how did I get so lucky, right? But the reality is, no, you are blessed. As we identify with Christ in His suffering. As we're giving this, given this extra measure of the Holy Spirit in the presence of God to get through these times. So you are, maybe not lucky, but blessed. Blessed. Don't lose the joy then. Well, don't be so surprised. Don't lose the joy. And how? what's another way we're finding God in fiery trials? So number three is don't suffer For wrong. Don't suffer for wrong. And here we're going to look at verses 15 through 18, our biggest section here. But first take a look at verse 15. It says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So here Peter's basically saying, look, look, it's, it's one thing if you suffer for for sinning. Don't do that. Yeah, don't suffer as a murderer or a thief, like, like, like a criminal behavior. Don't, don't do that. Or evildoer. Don't do evil things, wicked things. Or a meddler, someone who pries into other people's affairs. So you intrude. Really, I think about this this way. You intrude on things that really are, should be left to God yeah. for him to take care of. So don't be a meddler in that way. Don't be basically a constant trouble maker. That's what Peter's saying. So don't suffer for your own wrongdoing. Don't suffer for wrong. But then he goes on in verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time... For judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And verse eighteen: If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So here, Peter's saying, "Look, you know, if if you do suffer, like don't let it be for wrong. I mean, the consequences that come from that. No, if anyone do suffer, if you're going to suffer, suffer as a Christian." And if you suffer because you're a Christian, don't be ashamed of that. You can be ashamed of the wrong you did. Yes, that's wrong. But don't be ashamed for the name of Christ. That you stand for the name of Jesus. But you know what? Glorify God in that name. Stand up for that name. We know who Jesus is. We know the truth of Jesus. And so we're going to stand in this crazy world, even if it means persecution and suffering for Jesus, and glorify His name and never stop glorifying His name. The interesting thing here in this passage is that in verse 16, Peter uses the word Christian, actually. And if you notice in the Bible, you don't see that a lot in the New Testament because back then, Christian, which, which means Christ-like or little Christian, it was more a derogatory name. It was, it was, to, it was an insult oh, you're just a Christian. It was a put down. Today, it's a badge of who we are. But back then in the early church, it it was like someone putting you down. So Peter's like, don't be ashamed of being a Christian. Yeah. Don't be ashamed of, of standing for his name, Christ. That's what he's saying. Be ashamed of doing wrong, but not for Jesus, not for his name. So he says, look, don't be ashamed of that. So don't suffer for wrong, suffer for being a Christian. So now he goes on here, and these two verses, 17 and 18, are kind of hard in the interpretation. And let me give you the best of what I believe is being said here. So he goes on, he says, For it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God what he's saying is, look, it's time, and what did he say way back in verse 7, the end of things is at hand, right? Christ is coming soon. So, it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. It's time for us to really look at ourselves and how we're living for Christ, and it begins here in God's house with God's people. It, it It's sort of an Old Testament concept where Purging, whenever God starts purging sin, it really starts with God's people and it moves out from there out into the world. So here's Peter saying, look, God through this persecution, He's purifying the church. And He's making us wake up to the fact that who who do we belong to? Who are we going to live for? Are we going to live for sin? Keep doing wrongdoing? No, don't suffer for that. No, live for Christ even more. And even if that means suffering glorify God's name. So he's saying it it starts there now. It starts with us. But then he he goes on to say here in verse 17, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Like if God is really serious about sin in our lives as believers, think about what's going to happen to those who are unsaved and they don't have the blood that covers their sin to those who aren't obeying the gospel, who don't have Jesus. It's going to be much worse in their suffering. That's what he's saying. I mean, it, it, it's time. The Lord's coming back, so we got to get serious about God. We got to, you know, not suffer for our sin, but we're going to suffer for Christ if we're going to suffer. It's going to be for Jesus. But think about what's going to happen when Christ comes back to those who don't have Jesus, it's going to be more worse. Their sin is going to be judged. And they're really, really going to suffer the judgment for their sins. And then in verse 18, he says, and 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 notice it's in quotes, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, he loosely quotes and he kind of paraphrases Proverbs 11, 31. And and basically, he's saying, look, if, if the righteous... Um, are scarcely saved in other words if 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 we're saved through the blood and and we're gonna we're suffering now and 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 all think about what's going to happen to those who are ungodly the sinner they're gonna suffer this judgment even more so he's using this this proverbs basically to say if, if if we're we're just making it through You know, with the help of God in this life, we're suffering, it's hard, but we're going to one day reach heaven, it's going to be, whew, all done. But think about the ungodly. Think about what they're facing. They will not escape the suffering, the time of suffering in judgment when they go into eternity. Maybe let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. We may be having a hard time now, but think about the other guys. Yeah? Think about them in the future. We it, we're, we're we're barely making it now, and they're like ah right. They're like enjoying everything, but think about the the future. It's not going to be like that for them. It's going to be switch. Isn't that what um, Jesus said? Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that leads to destruct, destruction. It's hard for us to go through that narrow gate to hang on to Jesus as we suffer trials and persecution but why does ah we don't need jesus we we're, we're fine we won't suffer that way but it's going to be flipped so peter's saying don't suffer for wrong suffer for for being a christian that's what it's about so let's deal with our sin today yeah let's let's be serious about our life with christ Let's, let's really get right because Christ is coming soon. I mean, we, we see, um, I didn't talk about it a lot last week, but, but we see the signs. We see the world is set up. We see, we see the Middle East is set up. We see the world now turning toward darkness where good is bad and bad is good. We see what has been prophesied is coming to pass and, and the world is being prepared now for what? the Antichrist to rise up and for the world to embrace the Antichrist. That's what's being uh, done right now in preparation. So let's be serious. It's time now to get on fire for Christ and not let the suffering pull you away from God. Not be so surprised and angry at God and doubt God, oh, forget you, God. no. That is really an immature response. We want to change our thinking, have the Word of God re, re flush, the, flush out the stuff and help us to, to renew our minds in Him and to see what the truth is. A Puritan, Vavasor Powell said, Saints should fear every sin but not suffering. I like that. I want to put that in my mind because I fear suffering. I do to do but i want to understand what's going on here and this is how you can be finding god in fiery trial so don't be surprised don't lose the joy don't suffer for wrong and our very last verses are number four don't forget to trust god this is verse 19 it says here therefore let those who suffer according to god's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And I, th- this verse is so awesome to me. And perhaps it's, perhaps it's popping out to you, and I hope it, it, it will after today. So Peter's like, therefore, look, in light of everything I talked about, in light of, look, don't, don't be surprised. Don't lose the joy. Remember what, what, what's going on here. Don't suffer wrong, but suffer being Christ. Therefore, you guys, in light of all this, let those who do suffer, those believers, us believers, suffer according to God's will. Because you're making a stand as a Christian, because you're do- doing everything you can to live for Christ and not have the consequences of sin come back on you, because you're, you're doing everything you can in a committed life, then suffering will come, right? We'll su- suffer according to God's will. What is that saying? That's as God that it is saying God is a plan and a purpose in the suffering. Even persecution from the world. Even Satan's attacks. Even living under a fallen world and, and suffering because of the consequences of someone's choices. God is sovereign. We talked about that already. Peter's bringing that thought back in. Uh, in the past weeks, we've been talking about that. And so Peter's saying, look, God is sovereign. God is in control. God is doing work. So, suffer according to His will. Accept it. Give to it. Trust God in it. That's what he's saying. Remember, there's no rainbow without the rain, without the storm. That's when we see the rainbow. So, because we suffer according to God's will, His plan, His purpose, He says, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Keep doing that good. Keep following Christ. Don't give up on that. Entrust. Trust God with your life. Trust God with, and uh, trust your souls. In, in other words, entrust your whole life to the Lord. Entrust, and I like what he says here, entrust your life to a faithful creator. Who is God? He's the one who created everything. We talked about this the other day. He, the Deists believe he God created everything and just wound up the clock and let it run. That's not the God we know. The God we know is intimately involved in our lives. He is our Creator. Not only did He make us, yeah, but He created new life in us. Right when we came to Christ, so He is the one who knows everything about us, will keep us together, will will get us through, and will be able to strengthen us, and in the end, our life with Him will still be there. No worries, you guys. No worries. Remember, He loves you, and you're the object of His love, and so He will not let you down. He knows every detail of what's going on. He knows why. He knows how it happened. He knows the order of events. He knows the intent of those coming after you. He knows the choices that of the other person that has affected you. He knows then how to help you. He knows your needs. He knows exactly what to say to you. He knows how to get you through. He knows how you, oh, to, what instruction to give you and what to do in the middle of all of this. That's our God. So here's Peter. Don't forget to trust God with your life. I think we forget. That's why I put it that way. I think when problem comes and trials come, we forget. We get so focused in on how bad it is. We get so focused in on how it's affecting me. We get so focused on the emotion and the pain and the hurt and how hard it is that we forget, wait, God, let me trust you. You're doing something. Maybe I can't see it, but you're doing something. And Lord, if there's something I need to learn, then let me learn it, right? And if there's anything, we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to re- rely on His strength, not our own. We have to learn to, to trust Him in that. If I, Even if I can't figure it out, and I can't see it. It's good enough that God knows. The Puritan Erwin Lutzer said, God often puts us in situations that are too much for us so that we will learn that no situation is too much for Him. Isn't that great? That's If anything, we can learn is that God is in, it, in this. And, and even if it's too much for us, we understand it's not too much for Him. You know, for me, I I, I like the Bible. I try and figure it out, get into it, understand it, interpret it, right? See what the intent of the writer was. What is God trying to say to us? But I tell you, when I go through situations and I'm surprised, I'm like, why? What's going on? I don't understand. So I try and figure things out. I try and understand it. Well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. And sometimes I'm overthinking things. Sometimes I tell myself, stop, Rick. You're overthinking this, you know. Sometimes God's just saying, just trust me. Trust me. Trust what I'm, God, well, what, what is your way? What are you doing? No, just trust my way and what I'm doing. There's an old story of a little boy who was sailing a toy boat in this big pond. The wind took it into the middle of the, the, this pond and the, and the wind stopped. And so the boy was distraught. He couldn't reach the boat. He couldn't get to it. So he asked the older boy nearby for help. And without a word, the old boy began to pick up big rocks and was throwing it at the boat. And the boy, little boy's like, ah, oh, he, he went crazy. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? he started to scream when he seen the rocks, right, uh, falling near the boat like it's going to sink his precious boat. But then he noticed the rocks weren't hitting the boat. They're falling on the other side of the boat and making little waves, pushing the boat little by little toward him until the boat finally reached the shore and he could pick it up. Sometimes God throws rocks and we're like, what? (laughs) Right? What's going on? What? But he's not throwing rocks at you or whatever's precious to you. Right? He has a divine plan. If anything, He's bringing you closer to Him. Listen, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Know that today. We say it a lot, but don't let that become something, yeah, yeah, I heard that. No, let let it be something precious to you. Jesus is and will and has been always with you. I'll close with this. Perhaps you've heard this, seen it before. Maybe you have it on your wall. But I believe it needs to be said again. I think I was thinking, wow, through all these years I've been preaching, I think I quoted this poem maybe three, or this would be the third time. But, but you need to hear this, you guys. And you know this. It, it, it's written by Mary Stevenson, and it's called Footprints in the Sand. One night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand and I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in my life. This really bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I need you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you during your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So let me put that in your minds. Jesus carried you. Jesus is carrying you. Jesus will carry you. So entrust your life to this God who loves us so much. And whenever you go through those fiery trials, understand that that, for sure, you will be finding God in fiery trials. Let's pray. Jesus, as we close up here, God, my mind just goes to how you have been there for me, Lord. In every situation, every time I thought, I was going to drown, that that was it, you were there. Every fire, God, that I went through, you were there. God, you protected me from harm. Lord, like (coughs) Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego, the only thing that burned was the ropes, Lord. And I was freed of the bondage of my fear, the bondage, God, of my insecurities, The bondage of my worry and concern, God, because I found you in the midst of the fire. Lord, you are there when the waters rise, when the fires come. God, the fire won't harm us, Lord. The waters won't, won't overcome us. And so no matter what, even today, God, as I remember the past, I remember today that you will still be there. And in the midst of it all, even though I don't like it, I don't want to go through it, I hate suffering, I hate pain, God, you're there. And if anything, God, may I find and focus on that one thing. May I connect to you, God. And then I'll have peace and I'll know I'll get through. I pray, Holy Spirit, for anyone here in this room and connected online that you would reassure them right now that you are there right now that by the touch of your spirit God that we would sense you not just emotion not just a feeling but something deeper inside of us because you live inside of us so Lord our commitment is to you to keep going to not give up to keep pressing on to move forward in our lives with you, to push through whatever Satan is trying to push at us, God, But that it would be done in your strength, Lord. Our strength would be your strength. Our weakness would be your strength, Lord. God, help us to set our eyes focused, locked on you, that just as Peter did in the middle of the storm, that we would walk on water. God, we looked at the past and seen how good and how wonderful and how faithful you are a faithful creator, God. And we know that past experience, Lord, the past record tells us that today and in the future, you will be here with us. In Jesus' name, amen.